Welcome to the Under Grace Podcast. This podcast covers everything related to Jesus Christ, Yeshua, God, or Jehovah. God represents all things pure, holy, righteous, just, praiseworthy. The list goes on and on. Every human is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is the punishment for sins? An eternity apart from our Creator, hell. We are nothing without God, and He offered His very own Son as a sacrifice for our sins in place of what we deserve. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Aren't you glad that we are no longer under law? If I still was, I'd be in a completely different place than where I am now. Grace is undeserved, God-given help offered to us for our renewal or purification or forgiveness. Still with me here? Good. Thank you for your time. So sit back and enjoy God's grace. Christians can be weird. This phrase is repeated by both Christians and non-Christians alike. As with many different groups over the years, Christians have created their own vocabulary and sayings. Sometimes it is intentional and other times not. Many concepts of the Christian faith can be difficult to grasp for those unfamiliar with them. As a way of attempting to simplify the terms, a language called Christianese was formed. Here are some examples of Christianese that end up confusing people even more. Words like quiet time, taking time to be alone with God. Hedge of protection, asking God to send angels to protect you. Traveling mercies. God's protection over you while you travel, the body of Christ, Christians throughout the world, and many others. This episode is from a Christian perspective. I was raised in the Pentecostal church and have been guilty of using Christianese many times. As in the above example, sometimes people would just look at me with a blank expression on their face like I was speaking to them in another language, which, in essence, I was. I'm going to go a step beyond Christianese and discuss words and bits of wisdom that people use that aren't even in the Bible, or might be, but are taken slightly or way out of context. Although their intent is good, these phrases can be taken the wrong way by people who can be directed down the wrong path or turned off to faith in Christ. It is a grave mistake to speak outside of the substance of God's word. In a way, people who do this are guilty of adding or taking away from the Bible. There are numerous scripture verses that speak against this very thing. Revelation 22, 18-19, Proverbs 30, 5-6, Galatians 1, 6-9, Deuteronomy 13, 1-10, and a few others. In this episode, I've included five phrases that people use that are believed to be taken directly from the Bible. However, once you do some research, you will realize that there are some similarities to the phrases and the scripture verse. They are usually taken out of context. My goal for this episode is to clarify the intent of these phrases and clear up anything that may be confusing to some. I will also give an alternative phrase that should be used in place of these words of wisdom. Now, let us dig into the meat of this subject, shall we? This too shall pass. Have you ever gone through a trial or hardship and someone who can't even relate to it says these words? No one wants to be in a difficult situation 
And when they see others experiencing that, the first inclination is to try and dampen the pain. This too shall pass simply means that the grief or difficult time will eventually go away. Many times Christians use this phrase thinking that it is in the Bible. However, it isn't. Scripture the phrase is modeled after. There isn't a specific scripture verse this phrase is taken from. Many scriptures begin with the phrase, it shall come to pass, followed by a prophecy, a revelation, or a great insight. Here's one of those verses found in Acts 2 verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This verse is also found in Joel 2 verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Background setting for scripture passage. Acts chapter 2 happened during the time of Pentecost, one of the three major Jewish festivals. Many Jews from all over the known world had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Close by, in an upper room of one of the homes, about 120 disciples had assembled together. They prayed for the promise Jesus had spoken of, and the Holy Spirit showed up, filling everybody there. They began speaking in other earthly languages, praising God's mighty works. Everyone who heard them was amazed that these Galileans from Israel knew their specific language. Some of the multitude even thought the disciples were drunk. This was the perfect opportunity for Peter to preach his first sermon. He stood up outside, surrounded by the other apostles, and explained things to the multitude. He told them that the 120 were not drunk, and then quoted Joel 2, 28-32. This passage in scripture was a prophecy from the Old Testament written by Joel at around 350 BC, before Israel had been taken into exile by the Romans. Peter was relaying that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit they had just experienced had been prophesied in verses 28-29. through 29. The last part of the passage, verses 30-32, through 32, might be a prophecy that had yet to be fulfilled, most likely during the end times before the return of Christ. So this one verse in scripture has absolutely nothing to do with the phrase, this too shall pass. Reality of the phrase. Here are some of the possible origins of the phrase, this too shall pass. One account is derived from a 10th century poem written by an Anglo-Saxon called Dior's Lament. After every verse, the following words in Old English, Tasafarera, Tasaswame, are written. This translates into, that passed away, this also may, or, that was overcome, so this may be. Another reference is from British literature from Pride and Prejudice, written by Jane Austen in 1813. In the book, Mr. Bennet, Elizabeth's father, explains to her after she experiences a hardship. You may well warn me against such an evil. Human nature is so prone to fall into it. I am not afraid of being overpowered by the impression. It will pass away soon enough. Another version appears in Jewish tradition and was retold by the British poet Edward Fitzgerald from his poem called Solomon's Seal. In both accounts, a ruler from the east approached King Solomon and asked for a phrase that would be appropriate during good times or bad times. Solomon answered, saying, This too will pass away. The last version include an unknown eastern ruler and traces its inception to the writings of the Persian Sufi poets Sinai and Atar of Nishapur, 
Atara mentions the tale of a powerful monarch who inquires scholars to construct a ring that will give him joy when he feels unhappy. After giving attention to the matter, the philosophers present him with a simple ring with the words, This too will pass engraved on it. This was exactly what the king was looking for. However, the desired intent could be used the opposite way, making the king sad when he was happy. Alternate phrase. There isn't an alternate phrase exactly. Saying this too shall pass is okay to use as long as you don't say that it was written in the Bible. We are all bound by time, and it is true that the grief and anguish one experiences after going through a trial will one day pass away. And now, a word from our sponsor. We all depend on our cell phones, laptops, tablets, computers, and other devices. They are the lifeblood of a business. They store priceless information. They help us with school assignments. They keep us in touch with friends and loved ones. They keep us on time to appointments or remind us of important dates. One of the most frustrating and sometimes devastating things is when one of your devices doesn't function as well anymore or even completely stops working. This is where Integrity Device Repair comes to the rescue. Integrity Device Repair is a concierge device repair company that can set up and fix your smartphone, tablet, Mac or PC, smartwatch, gaming console or music player and help you master it. They can help in selected stores or over the phone. Their down-to-earth and professional technicians will physically meet you anywhere in the state of Colorado, whether it be where you work or live. Pick a location and they'll be there, rain, snow or shine. Are you outside of Colorado? No problem. Simply mail your device in and Integrity Device Repair will take care of it. Cracked screens, water damage, speaker issues, no signal, device rebuilds or battery issues. No job is too difficult for Integrity Device Repair. Do you need a new case for your cell phone, a flash drive, a Bluetooth headset, the latest laptop or cellular device? Integrity Device Repair offers competitive prices for all these as well. Contact Integrity Device Repair at idrtech.us. That's idrtech.us. They have the highest ratings on Google and many satisfied customer testimonials. As a promotional opportunity, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, enter the word UNDRGRCE in all caps into the message section under customer support and receive a 10% discount on your purchase. Try Integrity Device Repair and they will live up to their honest reputation with their fair pricing and flexible schedule. Integrity Device Repair. They can fix it almost as fast as you can break it. Money is the root of all evil. People use this phrase usually when they don't have as much money as someone else. They envy the other person because they're able to purchase luxuries and necessities that are impossible for those with lower means. It is a natural tendency to feel a longing and desire to have more money. However, the money itself isn't evil. Scripture the phrase is modeled after. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Background setting for scripture passage. In 1 Timothy 6, 3-10, Paul was confronting greed. In verse 7, he mentioned that we brought nothing into the world and will take nothing out of it. He talked about the rich who fall into temptation and are snared by the desire and harmful lusts. Verse 9. Reality of scripture passage. Then Paul addresses in verse 10 that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He didn't say that money was a root of evil, just the love of it. Possessing money is not the problem. However, the greedy desire for unethically gaining money is. Notice that Paul wrote that the love of money is a root, not the root. 
This means that there are other things besides money that can lead to all kinds of evil. Greediness can cause a Christian to deviate from the path of faith. Using money as a god to reach their own selfish gains is another root of evil that money causes. Money is an inanimate object and doesn't act on itself. It's only when it is used for corrupt ambitions that the action becomes evil. Money can actually be used for good if it is in the right hands, like donating to charity, church, or a ministry. Tithing is also giving of one's money to the Lord, in Malachi 3, verse 8 through 12. Alternate phrase. A good alternate phrase to use for this is just what the scripture passage says. So don't get caught up in thinking that money is evil. The overwhelming selfish desire for money is. Pride comes before the fall. This is said by those who are usually concerned about someone else who is acting too prideful or arrogant. Nobody wishes another Christian to fall away from the faith, so they use this line in order to bring that person back to reality. Although this phrase is true, it doesn't appear in the Bible in this context. It is actually taken from the Beatles song, I'm a Loser. Here are the lyrics from the last part of that song. What have I done to deserve such a fate? I realize I have left it too late. And so it's true, pride comes before a fall. I'm telling you so that you won't lose all. Scripture the phrase is modeled after. Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Reality of the scripture passage. Destruction and a fall are two separate things. Proverbs 16:18 is very specific about what precedes pride. Destruction can be a type of fall, but there are many types of falls like losing money, demotion, decline in health, losing a friendship, loss of possessions, etc. All these things can be built up again and restored because the fall didn't totally eradicate everything. There is still some hope left. However, destruction is the end. It is an annihilation that devastates everything. There is no reconstruction. One has to start over from scratch. The next part of the passage says that a haughty spirit goes before a fall. The Hebrew word haughty is gabah. This means to be high or exalted. The Hebrew word for pride is gaon, which means disdain, doubtful indifference to the other's needs and assumption. There are only 7,500 words in ancient Hebrew, so there aren't many words with similar meaning as there are in English. So the scripture is really implying that gaon, pride, disdain, aloofness, vanity, or smugness, goes before destruction, which is the worst kind. Gaba, haughtiness, thinking you have leverage over or are better than another, goes before a fall. This is the lesser of the two. Alternate phrase. It's okay to use this original phrase, pride goes before the fall. Just don't say that you got it from the Bible, but from John Lennon. This might impress your hippie friends, but not your small group at church. God helps those who help themselves. This sounds like a phrase that is spoken by a wise old man with a scowl on his brow who points his finger in your face. It simply means that if you want God to help you out, you have to do some of the work yourself first, which is not totally true. It has been found that about 80% of American Christians believe this phrase is from the Bible. However, they are very mistaken. Scripture the phrase is modeled after. 
There isn't a verse found anywhere in the Bible that this phrase was taken from. However, there are several verses that speak the exact opposite words of this phrase. Romans 5 verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Isaiah 25 verse 4, For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. As far as salvation from sin goes, we are absolutely defenseless. All humans have sin in their lives and have missed God's glory. Romans 3.23 The punishment of sinning should be death. Romans 6.23 Left to our own devices, we are helpless to save ourselves. Isaiah 64.6 However, Christ saw us in our sinfulness and died for us. Romans 5.8 Jesus became sin for us, so we didn't have to be punished for missing the mark. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God offered the help that we could not give to ourselves. However, the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, can be a practical lesson to be learned in areas of our lives that don't have to do with salvation. If you don't go for the job interview, God can't give you the job. If you don't get out there and do what God has called you to do, he can't bless you in those ways. This is the works part of James, Jesus' brother, where he spoke about in James chapter 2. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8 also talks about putting forth the effort or works before God blesses you. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand works, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord God is giving you. Origins of the phrase. This phrase got its start from several places like the Quran to France, and to early America. It was probably originally written in the Islamic Quran. Quran 13 verse 11. Indeed, Allah will not change the conditions of a population until they change what is in themselves. This verse in the Quran might also come from an Arabic proverb with a similar meaning. According to a 9th century Muslim scholar, Tirmidhi, the Islamic prophet Muhammad observed a nomad who walked away from his camel, but didn't tie it down. Muhammad then asked the nomad, Why don't you just tie down your camel? The nomad answered, I place my trust in Allah. To which Muhammad continued, Tie your camel and place your trust in Allah. In French culture, the phrase, A toi le ciel de toi, help yourself and heaven will help you too, was coined in order to arouse the citizens against the government during the Bourbon Restoration from 1814 to 1830. In French-Canadian Quebec, the same phrase is used in observance of Fête de la Saint-Jean le Baptiste, St. John the Baptist Day. The most common origin of this phrase that Americans can point to can be traced back to one of our founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. He published the Poor Richard's Almanac from 1732 to 1758, under the alias of Richard Saunders, who was also called Poor Richard. The writings of Poor Richard's Almanac presented a blend of weather predictions, life hacks, puzzles like magic squares, similar to Sudoku, and other muses. Ben Franklin also included some wordplay, clever proverbs, and other such idioms that became ingrained in early American sayings. It could be said that he was the first blogger in the New World, in the 1736 edition of the Almanac, the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, was included in the text as one of the sayings. Alternate phrase. Instead of using God helps those who help themselves, 
You can say, God helps the helpless, but if you want to be blessed by him, you need to put forth the effort as well. God won't give you more than you can handle. I've heard this spoken so many times by well-meaning Christians who see others fall upon hard times. It was intended to be a means of comfort. It's hard enough to experience trials, and no one wants things to get worse than they already are. Hearing this phrase can bring a degree of encouragement to one who can't handle their situation on their own. However, this phrase doesn't appear anywhere in the Bible. Scripture the phrase is modeled after. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13 Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Background setting for scripture passage. In 1 Corinthians 10, 1-13, Paul was talking about the Israelites during their journey to the promised land and used them as an example of what not to do. The Israelites were given many chances to follow God, but most of them still gave in to the lusts and cravings of the flesh. They weren't satisfied with what God had provided for them, but instead looked back at their time as slaves in Egypt, where they at least had food provided for them. Exodus 16 verse 3. They were notorious idol worshippers and indulged in sexual immorality. During one instance, God wiped out 23,000 of them in one day with a plague. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, Paul brought this example full circle to the Corinthians, and to modern Christians for that matter. Sometimes we have the belief that since God has justified us, we are immune to temptation. This is, however, a grave mistake. No one has a license to sin, and there are consequences we have to face despite forgiveness. Galatians 6, 7-8 Paul then offered words of encouragement. Every temptation we are confronted with is normal. Jesus himself was even faced with all the temptations we go through, yet he never sinned. Hebrews 4, verse 15 God is so good that he will not allow believers to go through any form of temptation that he has not equipped or prepared them to go through. Every Christian is armed with God's grace and power to endure such temptations. By possessing this perseverance to withstand and resist temptation, we will be rewarded as a result. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 Reality of the Phrase Everyone, whether they are 5 minutes old or 99 years old, will go through trials. It might be hunger, thirst, the death of a loved one, betrayal, the loss of hope, shattered dreams, broken promises, the list is endless. During those moments of absolute loss and pure hopelessness, you feel weak and powerless to do anything by your own strength. You can't imagine that a loving God will allow the situation to become worse. However, sometimes the circumstances do get worse. God allows things to get so bad sometimes that we, in our own strength and abilities, can't get out of it. It's during this time that God begins to work, usually behind the scenes, in his special way. Trials were never meant to be permanent. We will eventually pass through them. And when we do, we will see that God's hand of providence was moving in ways that were humanly impossible. 
If we are able to bring ourselves out of it, then we would receive all the glory and honor for it. However, God deserves all of the glory because he allowed us to get beyond our capacity and ability before he turned things around. Here's a quote. Just as he did with Israel, God may let us slide under the rule of circumstances that we don't like. He allows it so the situation can squeeze us, so we can get over ourselves and get to the bottom, because it's at the bottom where we turn to God and admit we've messed up and ask for his mercy and restoration. A lot of us need a shakedown so we can rise up. From Louis Giglio in the book The Comeback. Alternate phrase. God will give you more than you can handle. That's why we need to shift all our stress, loss, grief, and burdens onto his shoulders. In Matthew 11, verse 28. Well, I hope you've gained some more wisdom into these quotes that often take the Bible out of context or are just one small piece of a passage. There have been religions and doctrinal beliefs that are fashioned after just several verses of scripture. However, the Bible needs to be taken in its entirety. Don't stop at this episode, however. In the not-too-distant future, I will be recording another episode about other misquoted passages. If you know of any that are not mentioned in this episode, send me a message.